You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 308. I am Tim Robertson. David Cohen, we're two weeks out from the MacStock Expo. Looking forward to it. Me too. I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing everybody and seeing some cool presentations, including yours. You're doing a presentation at MacStock this year. Yeah, it's the uh, Apple One. Uh, parallels between the Apple One and the Raspberry Pi. And not just because of the fruit. No, it's because of the homemade box. Homemade box, yeah. <laughs> you know, they they both 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 sold us as, as basic circuit boards and uh, but the real theme is they both kind of open up an opportunity to capitalize on computing that you 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 know, the the world is your oyster, you just have to figure out what you want to do with it. Of course the Raspberry Pi has distinct advantages. Not just in technology, but in the fact that there, it's just much more well known than when the Apple products came out. It's it's acceptable for people to have computers in the home, and that of course wasn't the case back in the mid seventies. That's that's true, and obviously also the um, you know the ubiquity of computing means the price is is very very different as well. It's much more accessible. But I, you know, I think I, the reason I wanted to do this is that talking to people at Max last year about this sort of topic is there's a lot of people who kind of have heard of it but don't really know what it is yeah which i suppose was also similar with the apple one back in the day oh absolutely so, yeah so so i think this is um an opportunity to share share a bit of knowledge about it and uh, kind of get people enthused and interested and hopefully they'll they'll have a go of course uh, i'm doing the my mac quiz with guy searle um it's about an hour long we've got real prizes to give away uh, physical prizes, as well as some uh, some cool stuff from our sponsors of the MyMac Quiz. And uh, you know what? I'm going to have to pull up a, a picture here, David, because I want to make sure I give, you know, proper... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, um, rec- recognition. recognition. Thank you. Recognition for those companies who... Are sending us products. Uh, they include Sand, uh, Sanebox, Twelve South, Pixelmator, Macali, Thought Out, Anchor, and uh, Soft Torino. So those are the sponsors of the MyMac Quiz. Uh, each one of those companies are providing a product at least to give away at during the uh, during the quiz. Now we're going to have way more prizes than we're going to have winners. So yeah. we'll figure something out with you know we're not taking anything home with us David. Yeah, no that's not the uh, that's not the that's not the reason for being there. But I I it was interesting you the first time I've heard that list but I have used products from every single one of those companies and they're all great. So, yeah, I'm looking forward um, to uh handing them out to people. Yeah. So let's get into tech fan here David. There's uh, you know, I, I by the way, I, I, David's turn this week to pick out the uh, Wikipedia, and uh, this is a fun one. I, and I actually okay. put a link in there. I don't know if you saw it. I actually have a commercial for that product. Oh, right. Yeah, I can see it, yeah. So <laughs> let's start at the beginning, and this is a big issue, and it's kind of one of the reasons that I've never seriously considered, other than the whole f- headphone thing, seriously consider moving to Android. And that is the massive problem Google is having, and more appropriately, their users, with adware. It's yeah. it's it's becoming a huge problem. And I think no, let me put let me let me reword that. It's going to become a huge problem. It's not yet, 
but it's getting yeah. towards that tipping point where some people are going to start giving up on the platform because of this. Yeah, the first time you get seriously burned by this, then you're going to start thinking, hmm, maybe those iPhones are worth a, worth a try. So the the issue is is it comes from the kind of the ethos of the Google platform, which is open. Yep. The, it's all designed to be open, even though it's not as open as perhaps Google might might make you think it is. The level of lockdown control in the operating system and then in the app scanning on the App Store is far below what Apple does. Um, and and I'm not saying that just to kind of you know Yahoo sucks at Google. It's just that this is a manifestation. Of, of the downsides of that approach there are some real upsides to it as well in terms of the type of software you can get for your phone um, and not having to jump through some of the hoops that, that companies like Apple make you jump through to be able to do certain things but the downside is that it's open season for any type of app and what's been happening is that people are putting apps into the store that are filled with the same sort of creepy adware and malware that you get um, in other parts of the web nowadays that are all over the web. Um, and it's, you know, the, the difficulties on your phone, it's kind of a bit more of a personal computing environment. You, you, the risks are much higher. Much, much higher because this is your phone. And if yeah. if it's crapping out because all these ads are... Okay, so you download an ad from the Google Store. You don't like it because you launch it and a whole bunch of ads start popping up at you. So, okay, you know what? I'm just going to quit the app and delete it. So that's, I don't, I don't see the problem, David. What's the problem? Well, the problem is you've run code that's now embedded into your, <laughs> into your phone. And so you think you've got rid of the app, um, but in fact, all the adware processes are still there. And, and so all of a sudden you start, you go to uh, Chrome on, the, on your phone, and instead of going to your standard homepage, it redirects you to a different one that has an ad on it. Um, every time you search for something, all of a sudden you find things popping up over your screen. Um, you know, even other, worse, you delete even, the app and it comes right back. It redownloads yeah, exactly, itself and yeah. it reinstalls itself. It reappears again. Basically, they have owned your phone at this point. Yeah, it's, and we, it's We've done. been through this before. We went through this with back in the whole Windows 95, Windows 98 days. This became a real problem. And Microsoft really had to stamp on it to get rid of it. Um, by changing things in the operating system to prevent it happening. Yep. And we all had to run antivirus and anti-malware um, software on our PCs for many, many years. Nowadays, a lot of people don't bother. They just take what comes built into Windows. But back then, everybody, you had to have one. Um, and that mindset still pervades today. I was asked by a security researcher just a couple of weeks ago um, for something to do with our, our corporate platform. They say, do you have an ad, uh, um, malware or virus scanner for your iPhones? And I said, no, because you can't have them because the system's so locked down. But you know what? You can get them for Google phones, and you have really – it's gets to the point you have to have one now. It's, it's, it's crazy. Here's an example. Uh, what is the name of this? Snap Picks College Color Splash. It's been downloaded uh, anywhere between 500 and 100,000 times. Once, in, once installed, it displays ads on the Android home screen. The home screen. Yeah. Even after users uh, uses the Android settings to force close the app, the ads resume a few seconds later. So, yeah, good luck with the Android phones out there that you got for a whole lot less than your iPhone you could have got. Open, open for the win. Well, yeah, and, and the problem is, 
unfortunately, uh, particularly for a, a non-technical user, you assume if you go to buy and buy, buy something on the Google App Store that it's not going to do something like this to you. You you assume oh well it's from Google they must know what they're doing they mustn't let you know bad software onto my phone, and in fact they are doing. Um, they can't they can't stay on top. They are trying to remove these apps, but they are they can't stay on top of it? Are they really? Because uh, the researchers from the UK-based Sophos Lab, according to Ars Technica, said they have found a total of forty-seven apps in the last week that collectively have have ranked up as many as six million downloads. They all use a third-party library that bombards users with ads that continue to display even after users force quit the app and scrub memory. In a blog post, Sophos Labs said Google has removed some of the privately or privately reported apps while allowing others to remain. Yeah. Allowing others to remain, well, yeah. I think, is the key term there. Presumably, it's in somebody's inbox, and they come to look at it, and they go, oh, well, you know, I'm not sure it breaks any rules so i'm gonna have to leave it there it's uh yeah it's not great it's not great at all and you know look i i there's a lot to like about android nowadays it's much much better than it used to be i've used the latest version of android on on a phone you know and it's not really a million miles away from the iphone experience in terms of how it works how it uh, operates and and actually some things it does far better than the iphone does um but this is a real problem, and, and it doesn't matter what the cost or usability or functional advantages it might have over iPhone are. Ultimately, for me, this personally, this is a showstopper. This means I could never trust a, a Google phone, unless I was very, very selective about what apps I got and where I got them from. Um, and, you know, at least on, on the iPhone, you don't really have this problem. I know... You know, we're, we're kind of tempting fate by saying that, but um, it's much, much harder for anybody to do this through through iOS. Now, let's let's not give iOS a complete break here because they got an issue of their own, and it's not so much ads popping up or someone owning your phone, but it is bad app developers. Facebook is probably the biggest culprit mm. who don't clean up their apps. So. Oh, look, there's yeah. an app for my phone, uh, an update for my phone app. Uh, I guess I should update it. Well, I, where's the issue here, David? So the issue is that um, every time you update a an app on iOS, you uh, basically force all your, your users to re-download the entire app bundle again. Now, a Apple has a, a technology called app thinning, which means that you shouldn't if the developer has implemented properly, have to if you if if the if it's a universal app that works on the iPad and the iPhone, you shouldn't have to download the iPad code. You should only get the iPhone code. But even so, these things are really creeping up in size now. And when these these apps are being updated on on almost a weekly basis, and they're four hundred five hundred megabytes, then that's a huge amount of data that you're reinstalling over and over every week and multiply that by the millions of users using these apps it's a colossal amount of data that you know <laughs> you could change one line of code and you'd have to download the whole thing again yep so it, it's bloat it's comp it's and a, half yeah, of these bloke. apps have stuff in them that should have been cleaned up but they're just too well, lazy yeah there's there's a combination of things they have they have new app frameworks that give them functions that they don't want to develop themselves. And a lot of that, again, is ad and tracking related. Yep. Um, they they will also have 
legacy versions of um you know which are there for support some some developers are better than others some developers will go go and turn around and say you know what, i can take that whole um section of the program away because it's not used anymore but others will say oh well you know what it might cause me a problem somewhere else because i haven't got decent notes on on how that's hooked into the rest of the system so i'll just leave it it doesn't matter if it stays there so you get all of that stuff as well um and uh yeah then these ads these apps are now full of you know, higher-end graphical assets and that sorts of things. So it's a developer responsibility, but let's not shirk away from this. It's also Apple's responsibility. They've built this architecture that requires a single recompile of an app to require the entire thing to be downloaded again rather than just just the changes. So, and the the, uh, the the blog post I, I sent you sent you on this. Um, there was a guy who basically turned off auto update on on his phone for a week. And then turned it back on again and monitored how much code came down after after a, a week, and and he was looking at the uh, amount of data that was coming down, and it was colossal, colossal absolutely is colossal, not even a joke. Yeah, that, it, it, ju- just an example. The top three bandwidth hogs, according to his blog, number one, Google, five point six four gigabytes over six weeks. Over was. six weeks. Yeah. Facebook 4.77 and Microsoft 2.39. Yeah. I you're over 10 gigabytes for just downloading apps. This is yeah. this is not how much bandwidth they're using while you're using them cuz obviously Google you're visiting a whole bunch of websites with Chrome on your phone or iPad and sure you're going to get high bandwidth costs. Yeah. But that's not what this is. This is simply an update to an app on your device. Yeah. Oh, well, look, they've got LinkedIn on here, another social network. Well, now, that's if owned by Google or uh, Microsoft. Yeah. Uh, but if you ever use the LinkedIn client, um, you know, it, it has some nice features. It's not massively different from the website. Uh, one, 1.57 gigabytes of, up, of updates over six weeks. It's crazy. It, it, it's, it's insane. And, and it's such a waste of resources. I, you know, People go, oh well, you know, bandwidth is free. It's not free. No, <laughs> somebody's paying for that. Some yep. people have bandwidth caps on their internet connection. Um, and the point is, is that that data is just kind of clogging the internet. It doesn't need to be there. There should be a better way than this. Yeah, and it's definitely not free. The uh, bandwidth. Uh, I'll give you an example, David. A friend of mine at work broke his uh, Android phone, and his carrier is Verizon. So he knows I'm a tech guy, so he came in to get some, get an opinion from me because he's really not happy. Uh, the fact that he didn't get the insurance this time around, although he found out even if he did, it's a $200 deductible. So gee, right. thanks. Um, he went to Verizon, said, hey, you know, my phone's broke. What can you do? Well, they'll sell him a brand new phone. He's on that two-year plan. He's only had it six months. So yeah, you could buy a new phone, an unlocked one, and just use it. How much is that? Well, for the same one, you got about $750. Hmm. So that doesn't sound like a great idea. Yeah. So that's where he was when he talked to me. And I said, you know, you do have options. Have you thought about maybe switching carriers or at least threatening to switch carriers? Yeah. He says, well, yeah, but I'm under contract, especially with all these phones. I said, well, T-Mobile has a thing going that they will pay off your phone and get you out of your contract. They'll pay for it. And then you switch yeah. over to them. And sure enough, that's exactly what they will do. He's talked to him. 
So he went to T-Mobile, got all the information, realized he could switch over, and it only cost him a paltry sum, less than 200 bucks to do the entire switch. Right. Um, what is this? I just had an ad pop up. Um, oh, on this website with this, uh, this blog that we're talking about. All right. It just popped up. It says, got a problem to solve with your service? We'd love to hear about it. We can add value to any business that has digital product offerings. Book a free 30 minute consultation. Ugh. Ugh. That's horrible. That's horrible. Um, I may not link to this blog because of that. Yep. He's he's writing how bad citizens and apps and all that. And he's got pop up ads on. Ugh. This is this is an advert for because it's a it's a user experience company. Yep. So it's an ad for their service, is it? That's uh, horrible. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Yeah. So they just lost their link. <laughs> yeah. I'm not linking to them now. There was a um, that John Gruber did cover this. I'll, I'll well, let me it. finish my story here real quick. He went back to Verizon. A neighbor's kid he knows actually works there. So he went up to him and he said, no, look, I, my bill with you guys every month is about $270. I've got four lines with you. Can you do anything? Do you got like a refurb phone or something? The guy really wanted to help. There was literally nothing he can do. So he looked at his last bill. Now, they have bandwidth caps, but their son went over by about 15 minutes one day, and he downloaded ostensibly about a megabyte and a half over the data cap. So that should be just dirt cheap, right? Yeah. No. Because when you did that, Verizon adds another hour at five gigabytes. It was an extra $15. Wow. And he had no choice. Yep, you went over the cap. We added this much more. It's fifteen dollars, regardless. Crazy. It's crazy. So bandwidth costs money. It costs him an extra fifteen bucks. You do that a couple of times a year, you're starting to talk about some real money there. So having these auto updates turned on to update your apps under cellular conditions is a bad idea. Very bad. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, even with Wi-Fi, I mean, I look, I'm about to um, switch from my iPad Air 2 to an iPad Pro 10.5 inch. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'll be getting it tomorrow. Oh, you're not so going to wait until you get to the States? Uh, no, I've, I've found a way of getting one sooner for the same sort of money, so I'm actually yeah. going to get one tomorrow. Awesome. So, um, yeah, so that I, I currently have one, uh, obviously. Now, to you'd think, oh, okay, well, I'm, I could just restore my settings from the cloud on the new one and I'll be good to go. <laughs> Problem is, I have to download all my apps over Wi-Fi if I do that. I'm going to be in a hotel tomorrow. There's absolutely no way I'm going to try doing that no. in a hotel Wi-Fi situation. It won't be fast enough. And what happens then is, is it, if it starts doing that and then it can't finish for any reason, you end up with all... I've done this before. You end up with all sorts of problems. Basically, you'll have apps that are kind of grayed out and yet you can't reinstall them. You'll have some that, even when you're in good bandwidth, won't reinstall at all. Um, you'll have some that just disappear, um, and it just basically makes a whole mess of your of your iPads. There's absolutely no way I'm going to do that. So I need to remember before I leave today to actually do a physical backup to my computer. So I've got a full backup, including all the apps of the um, 
of the iPad before I leave so that I can do a, a, a cable restore because otherwise um, game over. Yeah. And uh, that's not really what we should have to do nowadays. And part of the problem is some of these apps are absolutely enormous. It's, you know. Yeah, I think Apple is the ones that really have to take the lead on this. They have to force these companies, these app developers, to follow certain guidelines. And I hate the big brother mentality of that. But they're not going to do it on their own. They're just well, not. Uh, yeah, and the point is that one of the reasons we, we've just been talking about it with the Google thing, one of the, one of the reasons we embrace Apple is, and in some respects, is because of the Big Brother rules. Yep. The Big Brother rules prevent things that kind of wind us up and, and, and potentially harm us. Yeah, so if you're going to live in that sort of environment, then let's make sure the Big Brother rules actually benefit us at all times. And this is an area where they could do some work. There are various different ways you can do it. There's app streaming. Um, if you download Microsoft Office 365 on a PC nowadays, you can start using it before it's finished installing because they they stream the important bits first to you, and that gets the thing up and running, and then the rest of the loads in the background while you're using it. There's no reason why uh, iOS, if it couldn't be re-architected to do, to do that as well over in the future. Or alternatively, you just basically come up with a differential update system. So if you change your binary, yeah, only the bit that changed needs to come to you, not the whole thing again. Well, they do that on Apple TV, so the technology is already built into the system. Yeah. So we do want to thank uh, the other podcasts in the, st- in, <laughs> in the MyMac Podcasting Network, including Three Geeky Ladies. They've got a new show called Summer Fun, episode number 105. Club Nintendo, number 165, is looking at the new Nintendo 2DS. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, David. Uh, it looks pretty cool to me. I really want one. but Yeah, me, I do, too. I'm trying to come up with a reason to buy one. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't yet. So eh. The Geekiest Show Ever, number 263, they're uh, talking about the WWDC still, while the guys over on Let's Talk Photography is uh, talking about software this week. Essential Apple Podcast Guest Galore has been released. That's number 47. And last, another Club Nintendo talking about, uh uh-oh, David, the SNES Classic Edition. (laughs) Uh, I had a shout-out. I I must must give him a name check. Mick Hamblin, uh, at Mick Hamblin on Twitter, basically uh, DM'd me on that. He said, one for you, David. Uh, And he linked to the Verge uh, articles, which... uh, announced that it was coming yeah so uh yeah i'm probably in for that um (laughs) however it remains to be seen whether you can whether you're going to be able to get the damn thing well nintendo has said that they learned their lesson on the first one that they are greatly increasing uh, there shouldn't be shortages again (laughs) we'll see yeah we'll see i think it's going to be a huge seller and i think it's because they artificially constrained the first one Mm, I do we'll believe see. that. Yeah, I, I do think that that's exactly what they did, and I know I'm, most people I'm, probably say I'm, that's not yeah. it, but I think it is it. I'm still worried that they're they're doing some sort of weird protection thing of other parts of their business. Could be, could be. Hey, we also want to give a shout out to a really good deal that I found on MacSales.com. Of course, MacSales OWC is our sponsor. They've got a seven hundred ninety nine dollar. $799, 27-inch quad-core i5 iMac right now. That is a nice big screen for a nice small amount of money. Yeah. And uh, if you're looking for, you know, a used Mac, that's that's the route that I took, David. I went I went used iMac this time. I did not buy a brand-new machine. And, yeah, oh, no, by I, the way, I, I got I, it from our sponsor. 
the uh, the MacBook we bought um, at work that I've ended up inheriting myself was the same thing as a refurb. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, definitely very good. So if you're looking for a used Mac, think OWC. Go to MacSales.com. They've got a link right at the top of the page that says used Macs. And find the one that you're looking for. Find a good price and uh, save a lot of money. And you know what? They update a lot of these machines. So... They're not all the stock configuration. Many, many, many of them, they've added SSDs, RAM, bigger hard drives. They make sure it works before it even uh, leaves the facility. So, oh. Are you able to um, buy stuff from them and have them fit OWC parts? You can, like, yeah. It's a special order, so, so yep. you've always got that option as well if you haven't got quite what you wanted. Mm-hmm. We've got quite a few writers from MyMac, contributors at MyMac.com. That's going to be at MacStock, David. Um, from last count, I think we've got at least six, maybe seven coming. Cool. And I've been in talk with, uh, Larry O'Connor, the CEO of OWC, and it looks like we're going to have a little private, it's not a public thing. It's not for all Mac stock attendees or anything, but a little MyMac tour of OWC. Oh, Cool. I, I don't know if I'll go or not. I don't really need a tour of a place that I worked for a year, <laughs> but I probably I mean, you, will. In fact, you won your range out because you knew I was going to pitch up on the Friday and start demanding to be let in, didn't I? Oh, yes. <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. Staying in a cot out front, aren't you? <laughs> so if you guys want to get a hold of us, it's real easy to do. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Email us the show at techfanpodcast.com or find us on Twitter at techfanpodcast. So David, we do have an email to read. We do. This was from Peter. He's in Germany. He's in Germany. Greetings from Germany from Peter, yes. I was just listening to episode 307 while walking the dog this morning. I'm writing this feedback on my new iPad Pro 10.5 inch and I have to agree. This is a great upgrade and I'm still blown away by the performance and the new screen. I got the 256 gigabyte Wi-Fi in space gray. That's the same one I've got. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I come from an iPad Air first gen 64 gig and beside all the new shininess, I'm so happy to have Touch ID now on all my iOS devices. I also realized my old iPad had become slower sometimes, but nothing justified an upgrade until now. Seeing seeing the new iOS 11 features in the WWDC keynote, the new iPad Pro on, and the new iPad Pro, I was so tempted. Then they showed Affinity Photo for the iPad. I was sold. That does you, look have, like a cool app. Have you used it? I've, it's basically like Photoshop for the iPad. It I have not. It's like $20, thing. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I couldn't resist. Well, I, I don't have an Apple Pencil, so and I'm not an artist, yeah. so it's like, eh, maybe yeah. not right now. Yeah. He also said, as a special treat to me, I also got myself an Apple Pencil. I know we'll probably not need need this a lot, but so far I'm really very impressed. I was about to sell my old iPad, but my wife now wants to use it for browsing the web and email. Mm-hmm. So no funding, but a happy wife. Well, there you go. So that, that's a win-win situation. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> who cares about the funding, dude? <laughs> yeah. That's, exactly. that's, a, that's a win right there. Yeah. I'm looking forward to putting the iOS 11 public beta on my iPad as soon as it will be out, hopefully uh, soon. Uh, uh, I'm not doing that. I, I'll wait to the release version. Yeah, you know what? My brother was was asking me if I was going to do that, and I initially said yes, but I think I think I might be with you. Yeah. Um, also looking forward to hearing your experiences with, with iOS 11 and also David's experience with the drone, as well as your feedback and coverage of Mac stock. Hope you record a tech fan episode from there. 
Thank we'll, you, podcast, and keep up the great. We work. will actually um, record at least one tech fan from there, possibly two, because David's going to be yeah. traveling back, and he's you, you know he's not going to want to jump on and do another show and blah blah blah. So we'll probably do two tech fans. Maybe even three. Who knows? And we'll probably uh, guest star on another show. Last year, yeah. we we dropped in on the MyMac podcast. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Stephen Tobolowski is back on the MyMac podcast for a couple episodes. Excellent. Excellent. I love, I love that guy. I know. He's fantastic, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. So, um, by the way, uh, the very beginning of Peter's email, where he yeah. says, I was just listening to episode 307 while walking the dog this morning. I, this is a little known fact. Not everyone knows this, David. If you have a constipated animal, a dog specifically, and you let them hear the show, clears them right out. <laughs> they will go a lot. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm. Just, I'm not going to comment. Okay. Okay. I, I'm just going to make sure my dog doesn't hear it. Then. No. 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 <laughs> no. Well, see, the thing is, my dogs do hear me. They, you can hear them clomping around okay. in the background all the time. Uh, but they can't hear both sides of the conversation, so they're safe. Oh, right. Okay, so you're saying it's it's the... Uh, no, it's a combination. I'm not saying it's yeah. you. I would never... <laughs> but there is a there is a cause and effect when it's both of us. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah. yeah. Some sort of resonance thing. Must yeah, be I think so. There. I think so. Yeah. I'm sure it's not the content. <laughs> no, no, it can't be. Couldn't possibly. be. No. Speaking of content, let's jump back into uh, the next thing here. Um, I have not seen this movie. Nope. And I have zero interest in seeing this movie, but Slash Films has a uh, a good question: What does Transformers: The Last Night's box office performance means for the franchise's future? Uh, as an example, uh, the last one that came out, 2011's Dark Side of the Moon, which is a terrible movie, uh, yep. pulled in 162 million dollars during its first five days. The new one, 69. And it cost $217 million to make. That's before you started advertising it. So they reckon here that this thing, this movie needs to pull in a billion dollars to uh, make money, which is just insane. Yep. The reason I put this in here is that there's a couple of things. You know what? The first Transformers movie I thought was fun. It really was. It was. It was very interesting, and and the reason I think it, it perhaps is of interest to our audience is the technology involved in actually bringing those creatures to life on the movie screen in a seamless manner is really is something to be seen. Yeah. You go back and watch, and this was two thousand seven. This was ten years ago. You go back and watch that movie, and you, and it's just amazing because it, as far as you're concerned, they're real. Um, and the, the skill of the CGI artists to actually pull that off is amazing. The problem is, is that every single movie after that has gotten worse and worse and worse. And every single one has got more and more expensive. And we're, we're in this era now where, it, where every single movie company is obsessed with universes and uh, crossovers and you know every single movie they say right well we just commissioned this movie and we're also planning um six sequels and four spin-off films and it's just insane the whole thing is completely and utterly insane i agree it doesn't yeah, it doesn't make any i just can't understand how any business can hope to operate like this and yet they do well, they no, all I'm look not- at what Marvel did, because let's be honest, Marvel's the one that kind of kicked this whole thing off with this shared universe idea, taking it to its logical conclusion. They're all interconnected. They're all in the same world. This character in this movie can totally be in this character's movie. Now, 
there were monster movies way back in the 50s that did the same thing. But in modern Hollywood, Marvel kicked it off. And everybody's been trying to replicate that success. The problem is most of them, I, w I would hazard to say so far all of them, has failed to understand what made the Marvel universe great. And it wasn't that they were all connected, and it wasn't that they had great CGI. It was about the acting and the story, and that the focus was on the characters, not yeah. not the extravaganza. Yeah. And so and, when... And I think Transformers uh, kind of sums that up to the nth degree. It, absolutely. In, in that there is no plot. Their plots are completely even the first one was tough but after that they just become incomprehensible and it just goes from set piece to set piece to set piece but here's my problem with the transformers in particular david is yes you're 100 percent right except i would add to that i can't tell one damn robot from the next in these no, movies no, they all look that, the same yeah, at least that, in the that, cartoon i could tell who the bad guys were they each had and the good guys, I could, they each had their own thing. I could tell. Yeah, that's right. This you is know, just all shiny metal crap. Why all the bad guys have red lightsabers. Right. <laughs> you know? So that you can tell who they are. Right. I, I completely agree with you. Even in the first one, it was it was tough to figure out who was who. Yeah, the only um, cool part I liked about that first movie was they got the guy who did the cartoon voice for Optimus Prime to do the movie. And I was like, mm -hmm. right on. Instead of going with a Robert Downey Jr. or James Earl Jones, they yeah. went with this unknown voice actor that... True fans knew who that voice was. Like, that's Optimus Prime. That's Rocks. Yeah. That was cool. But other than that, it, every one of these movies, to me, complete garbage. Just you could throw any of them away. They were just horrible. Yeah. But but as as I said, the the idea seems to be that oh well, you know, we've got a great the we've got a great concept. We have a great concept, then we can build a universe out of it. And we can throw over two hundred million dollars at it. Um, you and know, it will make a billion dollars. Thumbs on this, right? You know, making a billion dollars on any movie is tough. It's mm -hmm. really, really tough. By the way, Wonder Woman's past Batman v Superman. Yeah, no, I heard that. Thank goodness, because yeah. Wonder Woman's a great movie, and Batman v Superman's a terrible movie. <laughs> so, see, DC, you can do it right. It's about the characters. Yeah, it's not about what makes Transformers such a huge pile of garbage visually. You don't just throw all the CGI out the screen and go, "See, it's a great movie." No, we want story, we want characters, we want to laugh with the characters, we want to connect with them, and you totally did in Wonder Woman. It was yeah. fantastic on every level. The worst part was the stupid CGI battle at the end. Hmm. That was the part yeah. that everyone goes, "Eh, I could have done without that." Yeah. And that's yeah. what most of these mo movies are marketed towards, is that the, end part that's like, meh. Yeah. The, the really insane thing when it comes to Transformers and the universe building is that even within the, within the universe they've got, that they're not internally the stories are not con internally consistent. Exactly. We've gone from Transformers arrived 100 years ago to Transformers arrived at the time of the dinosaurs, and now apparently Transformers have been with us all the time, and we never knew it. Um, Spoiler alert, <laughs> Earth is Unicron. It is. <laughs> I already know that. I didn't even see the movie. Yeah. Who cares? It's you it's can. all garbage. Yeah. You and I could take this franchise and actually do something with it. It would be awesome. I said a long time ago, the first movie should have been just Shia LaBeouf's character coming to understand that the car he's driving may be alive. And the third act is you realize, oh, this is a Transformer. It's Bumblebee. And he's there to enlist the help of a human to unthaw or rescue his friends, which are the other Autobots. And you don't see 
anything except Bumblebee as this character until the yeah. very end when he rescues the rest of them and you see um, them all standing there and thank you for some crap like that. Yeah. Then it would have been like, holy crap, this was amazing. But instead it's this crap, <laughs> you know, it's this. So uh, a couple of days ago, David, as we record this, the iPhone officially turned 10. Now at the beginning of the year, back in February or January, we actually talked about the 10th anniversary of the iPhone which, yes, it was first shown publicly at the Macworld Expo 2007. Um, we saw it in person. No, you weren't at that one, were you? No, I wasn't. No, that wasn't your first one. Um, so I saw it in person. It was great. So I kind of celebrated the whole, hey, it's 10 years old. But realistically, it could have still been vaporware. You know, it's when the product is released. That is the birth date. And that was uh, just a few days ago now in June. So the iPhone turned 10. And I do think that this was the third product that Apple released that didn't change technology, but changed the world. The, yeah, the, the first absolutely. one is the Macintosh. It changed the world. A Macintosh, Apple II. Let's just do that. Put them yeah. together. Computers. Then the iPod did exactly the same thing for music all but to a lesser degree than world changing of computers. But the iPhone, this this very intuitive telephone slash computer, that really, really changed the world. We do not live in the same world in many, many respects that we did 10 years ago, and it's because of this one product. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and I've got to be honest with you, I was very underwhelmed by most of the iPhone 10, iPhone turns 10 coverage this last week. So, well, I, I agree with you, except I did like the interviews that they were doing with some of the creators, the original so, well, ones. Those yeah, were that's, interesting that's videos. That's the only stuff I appreciated. But yep. all of the, oh, I remember standing in the line. Yeah, who cares? I remember unboxing, and I remember what it was like. It, it, it was just, you know, basically it was just people rehashing articles they wrote 10 years ago. Right. I, I just thought, this was this is just weak. Yes. And that's exactly what I, what I hoped the tech press would focus more on is the fact that how much things changed, how much, how different things were before the iPhone came along in terms of how you used cell phones, how yeah. you use computers for that matter. Facebook was around at, when it came out, but Facebook was not Facebook until the iPhone. No, well, that, that's exactly my point is that most of the tech giants who are in the news day by day had been, they themselves have been lifted by the, the existence or of created by, here's, yeah. here's an example twitter yeah facebook uber instagram snapchat snapchat tinder well i've never downloaded the app but i hear yeah. um <laughs> you know these are all things that simply didn't exist or yeah. we never have got to this level that they are today. Well, uh, even even something like Amazon that was already there, I would argue that if it, if it wasn't for the ubiquity of devices like the like the iPhone and the iPad that that make it easy and simple for you to buy what you want, then probably Amazon wouldn't be as big as it is. Or now. even read what you want because the Kindle was around, but I I think that the popularity of the Kindle is a direct result of more people using stuff like the iPhone. Yeah. That, oh, I, I got my books with me at all time. It's always in my pocket. And when I'm yeah. at home, I'll read it on my my Kindle. But when I'm at work and I'm on a lunch break, I can just break out my iPhone and pick up right where I left off. Yeah. So it really was a world-changing type of 
device and Apple should get all the credit in the world. And it was, no matter what other people think, it really was Steve Jobs shepherding this from what started out as a pretty small team. Yeah. To the final reveal uh, at Macworld Expo 2007. I, I, yeah, I, th- I don't think you can argue that at all. If you have seen any of the kind of video or the, or read any of the interviews that have been going on this week about the creation of the iPhone, it becomes perfectly clear that they really were struggling with this. They yep. had about 40, 50, 50 different t- pro sites with different approaches, and it was Steve who was turned around saying, not good enough, not good enough. I like this, but the rest of it's crap. He pushed them. And, and, and pushing them... And not just pushing them to do better, but pushing them to do pres- better under time pressure, getting the best out of those people. And even then, once they'd settled on how it would work and what it would do and what technology it had, that, you know, kind of pushing them to say, yeah, this bit isn't right. Why does it do this? The keyboard is crap. Yep. All of this stuff. I mean, he, he basically worked that team to the bone to try and get that product out. But he had a vision um, of what it should be. And yeah. You know, I've seen every single one of Steve Jobs' keynotes, um, either live or on YouTube. And just thinking about it now, I think he was the most happy and the most pleased and the most proud with the iPhone. I mean, that is the pinnacle of the Steve Jobs keynote. And that's, if you watch that keynote, it's... It's just as exciting now, David, yeah. if not more so, because you know what's going to happen. You know, 10 years after this keynote, it re- it changed the world. And, and uh, yeah, Fundamentally as well, so much in the iPhone was right straight from the start. Yeah. The core, the core of it is still pretty much the same as it yep. was back then. You could, you could take somebody in time. Uh, you could go back in time to the day after the first iPhone was made available and they played with it for a bit and you could give them the iPhone 7 and they would still be able to... Yeah, it does a hell of a lot more now than it did back then, but they would still be able to work the interface and use it because so much of the incredibly hard work that went into the core of the iOS interface, they got right on day one and they've only needed to kind of fiddle around the edges. Yeah, they've had to refine it. Yeah. So let's uh, wrap this show up by going to our weekly wiki trolling. And uh, <laughs> what do you got for us this week, Dave? This is kind of interesting. Okay. So, so this one very much falls into the category of uh, what I like with, with this segment we do is, is, you know, you can have a bit of nostalgia, but you can also perhaps right some wrongs. And I think that's <laughs> what I'm trying to do this week, because this week we are talking about um, a toy from the late 70s called Total Control Racing, or TCR. And if you ever saw the ads for this, it looked mind-blowing. It did. These, these are basically, this is slot car racing without the slots. Here, so David, I'm, I'm, go- I'm actually going to play the commercial, because most yeah. of it you know, is talking. Now, the audio quality is not great, but this is, this is 1979 uh, Ideal Total Control Racing Commercial. And think about who the audience is as you listen to this audio. It's for kids. They yeah. don't treat kids the way nowadays the way they did back then. So, so just listen to the audio. Customers don't know the differences between slot car racing and TCR slotless racing. TCR slotless is designed so cars can change lanes. Slot cars stay in a rut. TCR slotless cars can take curves at their top speed. 
Slot cars can't. And most TCR sets offer a moving obstacle, the jam car. So you decide. Do you want to stay in a rut, or do you want to go TCR slotless? TCR slotless racing from Ideal. It costs more, but it's worth it. <laughs> it costs more, but it's worth it. Wait, let me just write that down so it can go on my letter to Santa. Oh, my God. That's so fantastic. You know, I didn't catch that the first time I watched that commercial earlier. Yeah. It costs more, <laughs> but it's worth it. I, you know what? So, I'm, i got to write that down. That's the name of this show. This episode, it costs more, it costs more, but it's worth it. I think it may be our longest, uh, our longest title for a show, but it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the ads for this, I mean, I, I didn't never saw that ad because obviously I was living in, you know, I live in Britain. We had our own ads for it, but they showed, you know, it was always tight shots on the cars the cars appear to be moving really fast and then the yeah they do the lane change thing and they would just flip from one lane to the other they basically had this kind of power system in in the base it was just like three wires and the cars followed that rather than being in a slot and it looked the business it absolutely did they as the that ad just mentioned they always had some kind of some sort of slow obstacle car that they kind of mix things up so you had to the idea was you had to race and then get round the obstacle car as well without hitting it and and it just looked the business and Skelectric was the big slot car brand here in the UK and everybody wanted that but when TCR came out there was quite a lot of us I know remember from my friends as well we all went oh we'd really like that but it was more expensive it was <laughs> it was but yeah slot cars they stayed in their track and yeah you know they'd flip out and you know had to fix them all the time but wow this one you could change lanes the and of course, we're all was, thinking the same thing. I'm going to put yeah. my buddy in the wall. Yeah, the problem was I knew somebody who had one of these, and um, it didn't work anything like the ads. No, it didn't. It look was any, terrible. Yeah, it was absolutely terrible. So what happened with it is that uh, they kind of alluded it to in the ads because there's no slot. What happened is when you went round a corner, the car would kind of fly out to the side. Yep. You know, via centrifugal force. So it was always on the outside of the curves. It was impossible to overtake on the inside of the curves because the cars just wouldn't stay. You'd kind of jam the lane controller trying to get it to, to change. But the way they worked, they didn't really have steering, so they couldn't really change lanes on the curves. Uh, and the other thing was it was perfectly obvious when you played with it for a bit that the the power supply um, for the let entire me, track... Let, let me read this. i got to yeah. read it. <laughs> TCR was also doomed by new regulations for child safety. The, <laughs> the system required at least two amps to correctly drive all the cars and jam cars used. The original... Re- <laughs> we, we are fearless kids, man. And parents yeah. are just like, ah, you'll be fine. The original set released in the early 1970s gave the customer a half-amp transformer which was reported to give children electric shocks when they went to fix the, the stalled cars. <laughs> hey, well, there's an incentive to what you're doing. Oh, wait a minute. My car's my car is not other. Ah, oh, oh. Yeah. I don't want to play so, no more. <laughs> so, so when I when I've got to see my friend set, um, basically what happened was uh, presumably they had for safety reasons down the power which meant the cars we, we were i remember saying, saying to him, they don't seem very fast 
No. And it was. They were really slow. Yeah. And then when you put the jam car on, they make, they went even slower because that was taking more power off the system. We ended up playing without the jam car. But then without the jam car, the whole lane changing thing just didn't make any sense. Right. You know? So, yeah, it just... It, it, it looked so cool on the ads, but it was so disappointing in real life. Um, and, yeah, I, I remember the, the friend of mine who had it, you know, we played with it one afternoon, and then we went on to something else. And I do remember mentioning it to him maybe about a year later. He said, oh, I've never used that again. Yeah. You know, and, and yet it was expensive, you know. I, I can't find prices on these, but, yeah, I do remember that it was an, it was more expensive than the slot ones. But of course, uh, you know, the, you the, read, the slot you read the Wikipedia, Yeah, the Wikipedia article says that the cars weren't very reliable either because they would the they, they would wear very quickly and they were really expensive to replace. Um, so the whole thing looks like it was a bit of a disaster. Right. Well, you know, when you're giving children seizures because you're shocking them, it's <laughs> kind of an issue. I mean, you know. <laughs> oh, dear. It was, it I want to play... <laughs> Uh, Mommy, that was, that Mommy. Was the 70s. Our toys were all lethal. <laughs> Billy's unconscious again. <laughs> yeah. He's all right. Remember, Spash remember a little kids. water on him. Just yeah, don't do yeah. it next to the track. Yeah. Remember, kids, if Billy stops breathing, <laughs> just throw him on the track again and that'll wake him right that'll up. That'll wake him right up. There you go. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. We need less government uh, regulation, David. Come on, we need less. You know, regulation. You know, let's let's cut three child safety regulations for every new one we bring in. Isn't that the uh, isn't that the government way? That's, that seems to be the government way. Yeah, you're gonna start. We got to get rid of three. <laughs> got to get rid of three. Yeah, it'll toughen them up. All those things are doing us. They're stifling creativity. That's right. We got to thin the herd a little, anyways. Come on. <laughs> Thin it out a little bit. We got too many. We got too many healthcare crises. That's right. You thin the herd. No guys around. That's right. (laughs) So uh, anyway, if there's anybody listening who had one of these, um, please let us know how you found it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's so fantastic, David. Great, great choice this week. (laughs) So we'll be back uh, in a week. Of course, we're we recorded this a few days uh, after than we usually do. We're recording this on a Sunday instead of a Friday. So we'll be back next week, uh, probably at a regular time. And then after that, um, we're probably going to be a few days late, maybe, because we're going to be at Mac Stock, I, which reminds yeah. me, i got to start getting some things together. You want my, you wanted my old uh, MacBook Pro, right? Oh, yeah, if you, if it's not too inconvenient. Yeah, i got to find the screws for the bottom still. They're okay. somewhere around here. Uh, and, of course, I've got prizes to bring, physical, hard, whatever you want to call them, prizes. And uh, I got to get some stuff loaded up on my 17-inch MacBook, so I or MacBook Pro. I don't think there was ever a 17-inch MacBook, uh, so I can actually, you know, like upload the show and stuff like that. So we'll be back in a week. Uh, again, we'd love to get feedback from you. The show at techfanpodcast.com. We want to give one more shout out to uh, Neil for sending that to you on Twitter, and of course Peter for sending us email this week. Thanks a lot, Peter. We do appreciate it. And uh, speaking for David, we'll see you next week. See you then.